Well, good morning, North Point Community Church. It's a privilege to be invited to speak to you this morning and looking forward to just uh, being able to look at a great uh, event uh, from the, the life of the nation of Israel in the book of Judges. I'm coming to you from Southeast Asia and uh, we, uh, Karen and I have been back here now for about five months and we've just entered another lockdown here in our country and so um, we are doing a lot online just as you are. But uh, just trust that, that this will be a, a meaningful time for all of us this morning. You know, reading through the book of Judges, we see over and over the disobedience of the nation of Israel. We see them turn away from God. We see them conquered by foreign nations and suffer. And then we see the judges come and the people repent and they turn back to God and enjoy God's blessing for a time. And then they turn away from God again and they turn to foreign gods and the cycle begins over and over and over again. And so this morning we want to look at a very interesting story in the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, we first meet Deborah in Judges chapter 4 and 5. And each of these chapters tell the same story. Uh, chapter 4 gives us the facts. It tells us exactly what happened. And then in chapter 5, we read Deborah's poem about what happened. Chapter 4 verse 1 begins... We, we see that the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They turned from God. They got themselves into the sexual, corrupt, depraved religion of the Canaanites, the worship of Baal. 150 years earlier, uh, Joshua led the Israelites into this region. They had conquered the area and they had killed its king, Jabin. And now another king, also named Jabin, once again ruled the land around the Sea of Galilee. And he had a strong leader of his army, and, and his name was Sisera. And they dominated the northern tribes of Israel. For 20 years, the Israelites saw this army push further and further into Israelite territory. This army was well-equipped with 900 iron chariots. That was only for people, uh, nations that had a lot of money and a, and a very strong army. These chariots for, were, were for the elite and well-equipped armies. It made it almost impossible for the Israelites to defend their land. In Deborah's poem in chapter 5, verse 8, she describes that from a human perspective, they were in a hopeless situation. But we know that Israel's problem wasn't a weapons problem. It was a spiritual problem. And God was going to use a woman with a brave faith to deliver them. We don't know much about Deborah other than the fact that she was a prophetess, a spokesperson for God, God would reveal truth to her and she would speak that truth to the people. She was also a judge and people from all over Israel would come to Ephraim uh, to have Deborah decide disputes that the people were having. And 
she would hear cases and she would deliver her judgments with prophetic insight. We read that she was married, uh, but, but Deborah was called by God. He was raised up, or she was raised up by God and empowered by God. She was God's chosen leader for the nation of Israel at that time in their history. It seems that Deborah became tired of the mediocrity of the people. They weren't living out their identity as God's chosen people. And she saw a desperate need in the nation. And she, knew, she took initiative to do something about it. We read in chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, these words. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. She knew the nation of Israel was in a, a very desperate situation. In human terms, it was an impossible situation. But she knew that unless someone took action, the people would continue to suffer under these pagan rulers. We see that Deborah, being the wise woman that she was, knew that Israel, yes, they had a spiritual problem, but they also had a military problem. And she needed a military leader. She wasn't equipped for that role, and she knew that. And so she sought out a military leader who would come and take action, military action, against those who were invading the nation of Israel. The best person she could find was a man named Barak, or Barak. We don't know how she knew of him, uh, but she calls him to help. And he responds. He didn't take any initiative himself. He saw that the nation of Israel was in problem, but was in a very difficult situation. But he took no initiative. But when Deborah called him to come, he responded. Deborah then had a role that she needed to encourage Barak and motivate him to take on their enemies so that the, the Israelites could be set free from their captivity. And so she challenges Barak and says, the Lord God of Israel commands you. Well, what, what can somebody say to, to that? The Lord God commands you. Barak, this is God's will, not mine. If you want to obey God, it's up to you to fight. Next, in verse 7, she encourages him further with a promise from God, uh, where, where she says that God will give their opponents into your hands. If a prophet gives you that kind of assurance, that's great news because a prophet is speaking for God. And so she uh, confirms to Barak that God has promised victory. But Barak must have been still filled with fear because in verse 8, he says to Deborah, I'll only go if you go with me. But if you won't come with me, I'm not going to go. 
And so Deborah immediately agrees, but she also lets him know that with his request of asking Deborah to go with him, he was indicating his lack of trust in God's promise that God would indeed provide the victory. But Deborah still agrees and tells him uh, that she will go with him, but he needs to know he won't receive any credit for this great victory that is going to come. The credit would go to a woman and not to him. And so Barak and Deborah get ready. Uh, Deborah already has God's plan for what would happen. And we see that in chapter four, verse six and seven. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinam from Kadesh Naphtali and said to him, has not the Lord, the God of Israel commanded you, go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops. And I will give him into your hand. They would meet their enemy at their enemy's strongest point near the Kishon River. This was a bold plan uh, that, that God had, had birthed or, or told Deborah about. The Kishon River was only a powerful river during the rainy season. During the dry season, the river would simply dry up and there would be very little or no water at all. And when God commanded them to go to the Kishon River, it was the dry season. So there was, there was no water, very little water in this river. Deborah was, was leading the, the people with a very real and deep and brave faith in God. She trusted God. She believed that God was faithful. She knew that she could put her trust and her hope in God and, and she knew that God himself had led her to do what they were about to do. In verse, in verse 14, we read, And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. God uses Deborah to prepare Barak, and then Deborah takes a step back, and Barak does what he's supposed to do, and he leads his men into battle. Barak knew that they were up against a larger, a much better equipped army. Sisera had 900 iron chariots. Israel didn't even have spears and shields. They were not equipped in any way. They weren't armed for the battle that they were about to face. And yet they moved out anyway. See, this was not Barak's strategy. This was not Deborah's strategy. God was in control and God would, con he, he would show, give them the victory. He wanted the people to know that it wasn't the size of the army or the weapons of the army that would make the difference. It was God and God alone who would bring victory to the people of Israel. Barak had obviously learned to trust God 
and led his men into battle because God told him to with lots of encouragement from from Deborah. But we see Barak's name appear in Hebrews chapter 11 in that great uh, chapter, the, the Hall of Fame of Faith. And we see Barak's name in there. So Barak took his 10,000 men and went up to Mount Tabor and hid in the forest on the mountainside. But Sisera, uh, he was a, a very wise military man, and he had spies all over the land. One of them told Sisera, the men of Naphtali and Zebulun, are, they're all upset. It seems like they're all angry and they, they are going to come and, and they're going to confront us. They're going to come and, and fight against us. About 10,000 of them went up to the Mount Tabor area, which is really not a good battle strategy because all Sisera and his men needed to do would be to surround them. And he said, we'll get them one way or another. So Sisera calls out his whole army and the 900 chariots to go against these 10,000 men that were being led by Barak under God's direction. Deborah and the army of Barak are, are camped on the mountainside and you can hear the men saying, okay, what are we going to do? We, we don't have any weapons. We're, we're here in, in obedience but what are we going to do? And Deborah says, well, just relax. God says he's going to do something. So let's trust him. I don't know why we're here. I don't know everything. I'm, I'm simply a prophetess. But I know that we are supposed to be here. And Barak knows that we are supposed to be here. God will fight for us. He will show us what we're supposed to do next. And suddenly, they're up on the side of the mountain and they hear the movement of the iron chariots. And they look down into the Megiddo Valley and they see Sisera and his army advancing. Sisera is a very proud and confident leader. He's in complete control of his troops. And Barak and his men are up in the hills watching Sisera's uh, army mobilizing for battle, and, and I'm sure they're wondering, what are we supposed to do? And right in the, in the middle of all the silence, all of Barak's men are, are just kind of stunned by everything that they see below them. And all of a sudden, Deborah yells, charge! You, you can hear Barak saying, hey, Deborah, be quiet. What do you mean charge? Charge what? Charge with what? And she says, listen, listen. And in chapter 5, we can read what they heard. Verse 20, the stars fought from heaven. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon. Oh, my soul, march on with strength. Then the horse's hooves beat from the dashing, the dashing of his valiant steeds. The Geboa mountain range was being drenched by a summer thunderstorm. The water from that storm started to run down the dry Kishon riverbed. And towards Sisera and towards his 900 iron chariots. Then Deborah understood what God was about to do. 
He would destroy Sisera and his troops with a flash flood of water, a wall of water two meters high, rushing down those dry riverbeds. You can hear Sisera yelling, whoa, whoa, hold back, as, as he looked up and he saw this wall of water coming down toward him. And panic breaks out in his army as men tried to get to higher ground, the ground turning into a muddy mess and the chariots getting stuck in the mud and the horses couldn't be controlled by the chariot drivers. It was at this moment that Deborah yells, charge! And Israel's army comes down the mountain and defeated Sisera's panic-stricken army. Sisera's armies broke rank and they tried to escape. They did whatever they could to get away. And the Israelites pursued them and defeated them. And in the midst of the confusion, Sisera saw what was happening and he ran. He went all the way up to the border of Asia Minor to seek refuge. And he comes to the tent of Heber, thinking that he will find refuge there. Heber's wife, Jael, greets Sisera and invites him into her tent. She helps him hide from his pursuers. And Sisera asks Jael for a drink of water, but instead of a cup of water, she brings him a cup of milk. This offer of milk probably served two purposes. It, it may have eased the mind of Sisera. He, he could have been convinced that he had entered the tent of a friend and that he was safe. And so he felt comfortable to ask Jael to lie for him. If they come looking for me, tell them I'm not here. And then second, uh, the milk would have probably helped Jael fall asleep. He was already tired from the battle. And then he drinks the milk and he lays down. And it wasn't long until he falls asleep. And while he sleeps, we, we read a, a very violent action by this woman, J.L. She takes one of the tent pegs and drives it through Sisera's temple, killing him. You see, in that culture, it was the woman's responsibility to put up and take down the tents. And so J.L. was used to swinging that hammer. This woman was, was not stupid. When she saw Sisera come to her tent on foot, she, know, she knew that he had been defeated in battle. She also knew that if she was caught hiding in her tent, she might be put to death when the army of Israel came to track him down. So she saw that Israel had won the battle and she wanted to be found on the right side. So Jael was a wise woman. It was through this woman, Jael, that God would provide God's promised victory in Deborah's prophecy. God is faithful to his people and his promises. While Deborah and Barak stepped out in faith, it wasn't their faith that delivered them. It was their God, the one that they put their faith in. Verse 23 says, So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. An impossible situation. But God fought for them. God provided the victory. 
you know, these are crazy days that we're living in. Days of COVID lockdowns and disappointment and loss. You know, we who are followers of Jesus, we, we have a great hope. And our hope is in a risen Savior. And we can trust him completely. We know that our God is good. We know that he is trustworthy. So it could be this morning that you are facing an impossible situation. Do you believe that God is big enough, that he's good enough, he's trustworthy enough to meet your needs? You know, we live in an instant society and we want everything right now. Remember how long the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness. You know, we moved to Southeast Asia over 12 years ago to pastor an international church, and it's been a great, great experience for us. And we've been able to, to be involved in the lives of so many people. And many of you know that, that God led us about nine years ago to, to be involved uh, with some migrant workers here in our country. And it, it seemed at the time like an impossible task. What can a small group of us do to, to make an impact on these people? And just very recently, it's been, you know, we, we have heard that some of these people have come to, to faith in Jesus. And it's so encouraging that that's an impossible task for, for me and for other people uh, who are working with, with migrant workers, people who, who are pushed to the sides. But we know that God loves all people. He wants all people to come to him through Jesus. And so this morning, church, I just want to encourage you, come, come to Jesus, come to him. He is fully trustworthy. He's big enough to handle all that you are facing these days. You know, he knows the disappointments. He knows the loss. He knows all things. None of this is a surprise to him. So church, I just want to encourage you to trust him to step out in faith, listen to what he's saying to you and, and step out in faith as Deborah did and see what God will do. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for being so good. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word that speaks to us so clearly about life, about how you love your children and how you want all of us, you want our hearts. And I pray, Father, for each person who calls North Point their church family. I pray, Lord, that they would know in some new and fresh ways in the midst of a world pandemic, that they would know the peace and the presence of the resurrected Jesus. So, Lord, I pray your blessing on this church family. May you continue to use them to bring honor and glory to your name. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be with you today, and may God bless each and every one of you.